Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. We are looking at 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning. We've been in a series through uh, the book of 2 Peter of the last few weeks. I want to continue that this morning. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever bought anything that you knew was fake when you bought it? You bought something fake on purpose. Anybody? Show, you know, I remember when I was, when I was a, in my young 20s, there was a guy who used to sell Oakley sunglasses out of the back of a horse trailer. I had a pretty good idea they weren't the real thing. You know, the real things, you could go to the local sports store, they're about 130 bucks. But this guy, you could buy one pair for 15 or two for 20. I just had an idea they weren't the real thing. But I bought them like hotcakes because I'd buy them and I'd wear them. And undoubtedly, within a month or six weeks, they would they'd fall apart. The lens would pop out. The legs would come off. You notice the screws don't really match in the, in the arms of the glasses. I used to call them Folkleys. And for years, I would wear Folkleys. They were fake Oakleys. And, uh, you know, I didn't mind because they were so cheap. Today, you can buy fake watches, right? It says Rolex on the outside, but it's a Timex on the inside. It looks good, but it's not the real thing. Um, you know, most of you know I enjoy playing golf. If you're not careful, you can get on eBay and you can buy fake golf clubs. It says Tatalus on the outside, but it was probably made in a bicycle company somewhere. It doesn't perform the same way. Uh, maybe you're aware of this. Did you know you could get past fake money? Right? It might look like a $100 bill. It might smell like a $100 bill, but if you take it to the bank, they're going to put their light on it or put that marker on it, and if it doesn't glow the right color or whatever, they're going to tell you it looks like the real deal, but it's not the real deal. Here's what I want you to know today. Have you noticed that most things of value often get counterfeited, right? If things are valuable, people try to counterfeit them, or they come up with a fake. Did you know the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most valuable thing ever been given to mankind, right? What you and I, I know many of us have copies of God's Word, perhaps by the dozens at our house, and so it's like it's been so free to us, it's been so available to us, that sometimes we forget that we are, we are blessed people to, to have the gospel in our hands, but more than just having the gospel in our hands, to be people who have heard the gospel and respond to it and have it in our hearts. But can I tell you, the very fact that the gospel is valuable should awaken us to the idea that the enemy is going to try to counterfeit it. Second Peter chapter 1, God lets us know that it's not a maybe, that the enemy will produce a fake gospel. Did you hear me this morning? You picking up on that? Listen to Second Peter chapter 2. It says, But there were also false prophets among people, just as there, not might be, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift direct, uh, destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, they will, excuse me, in, these, in their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they've made up. 
Their condemnation has been long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who is distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the sinful nature and despise authority. Let's stop and pray there. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word because we need the word. The word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. The word is what helps us distinguish between what is fact and what is fiction. The word is what allows us to align our life with what we think, but instead with what you say. I pray this morning the word of God will work in my heart and my life and in the lives of these people. I pray you'll anoint me today above my own ability to speak the words of God and the words of God alone. Help our ears, our hearts, and our minds to hear what the Spirit of God would say. And then we commit ourselves to responding to it in whatever way you tell us to respond. We leave that to you, Holy Spirit, but we also open our hearts to what that would be as well. In Jesus' name, amen. First Peter, I'm sorry, Second Peter chapter 1, Peter closes out the chapter talking about how we received the Word of God. He talks about how the Scripture was not just a good idea of people, but instead how men of God were, were carried along by the Spirit of God to write what we have in our possession today. He's talking about the authority of God's Word, but then he talks about in the very next chapter, what we just read, that just as there are authentic preachers, teachers, prophets, pastors, and leaders who are giving the Word of God, he says right alongside of them, there will be a counterfeit gospel being proclaimed. And I want to call your, call your attention to what I just read. It doesn't say there might be. Peter doesn't say someday in the future there might arise fake teaching and false gospel. Nor does he say it's a brand new problem. He's saying it's been there in the past. It will be there in the future. And friends, we really should not be surprised because how many understand the devil's number one way of, of attacking humanity has always been through deception. Right? The Bible calls him the father of all lies. And there's several several fakes that the Bible teaches us that we should always watch out for. And I'm not going to go through all these, but I'll just list them to you. And these are not all conclusive this morning. But first, the, the Bible reminds us that there will be false Christians. People who claim to be of God, who claim to be a part of God's family, but are not. Also, it says there will be false teachers who are delivering a, a partial gospel. How do you understand that, that, that false teachers will not preach things that... And this is one of our, our big areas of, of misinformation. Sometimes we believe that false teachers will preach things that are opposite of the gospel. They're not. They're going to preach things that are about 90% true. And then lead you astray with the other 10% they put in there. It, it's, it's a false teaching. If it was, if it was all un, 
uh, unfounded, then we would walk away from it. We would run from it. But it, it sounds so close to the truth. It says also to, to watch out for fake miracles. The work is real, but the source is evil. Then he says, in the last days there will be even false Christ, those who claim to be the Messiah, who are not. And Jesus himself said, don't go after them. Don't run after them. There's a lot to be on the lookout. And I tell you all this morning, not so that you live in a state of fear, but that you constantly examine what you're allowing into your life. I've got this habit. I don't suggest it. But just about every morning of my life, I go by the gas station and I have this big cup, and I stick it full of ice, and then I put it under a, a fountain soda, and I fill that sucker up with Diet Dr. Pepper every single morning. It's wonderful. I did it this morning. As soon as service is over, I'm going to go to the back of the room, grab my cup, and finish it off. But every single morning, I, I, I take my cup, I put it under that fountain drink, and I fill it up. Have you ever been getting a fountain drink, and somewhere between when you started and when it finished, it moved from being a fountain drink to just being soda water? and you didn't notice it, and then you took one big swig of that, and you thought you were getting the heavenly taste of Diet Dr. Pepper or whatever it is your vice is. You thought you were getting something wonderful, and it was just something bland, and you're like, like, this is terrible. Anyone, just me? You know what? I don't know if it's happened. I think it only happened to me one time. And now, every morning when I'm filling up my cup, I'm not just putting it up there counting the ceiling tiles. You know what I'm doing? I am watching. That before this goes into my body, I'm going to see what it is. This morning, I believe that is sort of a picture of what Peter is saying, that you don't have to live in fear, but we should live aware. We should, you should carefully examine what people say is truth to see is it truth before we ingest it into our spiritual man. Does that make sense? So that's what we're talking about this morning. Well, Pastor, how can I be aware? How do I respond to fake teaching, false reports, even a false gospel that is, I would use the word prevalent in our society today. A few ways this morning. First thing is just what Peter said. The first key is just simply be this, to be aware that there are false teachers among us. And the first thing, I, the first words I want you to notice are two it says, among you. Would you say that word with me? Among you. They're among you. In other words, they're not out there somewhere. False teachers are not going to wear a t-shirt that says, hello, my name is, is Greg and I'm a false teacher. Right? You're probably not going to find their information at falseteachers.com. It's probably not them. But instead, they're going to show up Anywhere the gospel is being preached, anywhere people are doing things in the name of Jesus, anywhere it seems like the Spirit of God is moving, they're going to move in right beside them, and they're going to be, be able to, they're going to begin to proclaim things that sound like the gospel but are not. You're not going to find false teachers so much outside of the church as you much will find them working in a church or alongside of the church. And this news should not be surprising because that's how the enemy works. He always works through lies and deception. And one thing I've discovered is how, how the enemy has worked in the past is a pretty good indication of how he's going to work today and how he's going to work in the future. See, the devil is a lot of things, but he's not creative. So he's, he's sort of predictable. And so how do false teachers, how do they get an audience? 
How do they deceive people? If it's so evident in God's Word that we're supposed to be on the lookout for them, how, how do they find a, a way into our lives? Or how do they find a way into people's hearts and their minds? How does this happen? Well, I'll tell you a few ways. Number one, it happens because false teachers tell people what they want to hear instead of what is true. How many would just be bold enough and honest enough to say, I like to hear what I want to hear? Right? Most of us are that way. I'm that way. Most of you are like me. You grew up with a remote control in your hand. And if what was on the screen was not what you wanted to see or hear, what did you do? Or you just turn the channel. Right? If it's if whatever, that's not what I want to hear. So I change the channel. I watch something else. I want to, I want to hear what I want to hear. I want to see what I want to see. And some, sometimes we take that same, that same concept into our daily living. And if it's not something we want to hear, we just change the channel. There is a man in the scripture named Jehoshaphat. He had been, he'd been uh, asked by the king of Israel to partner with him and go to war against an army, an opposing army. And Jehoshaphat wisely asked the question, he said, how about we find a man of God and ask him to pray and let's, let's get the word of the Lord before we get our troops together and march out here in battle and perhaps, you know, lose our kingdoms. Before we put our lives on the line, why don't we pray about it? How many think that's a good idea? But the... The king of Israel, listen to this in verse number 8 of 1 Kings 22. Here's what he said to Jehoshaphat. There's still one man whom we can require of the Lord, but I hate him. Those are pretty strong words. Why do you hate him? Because I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but it's always bad. Right? The king of Israel thought, let me just avoid the bad news. If I don't hear it, it's not true. That was his thought life. How many understand the Word of God is true whether you want to hear it or not? The Word of God is true whether you change the channel on it or not. The Word of God is true whether you want to hear it or you don't want to hear it. So we got to come to the place where we say, you know what, God, I want to hear your Word whether it makes me happy or sad, mad or glad, comfortable or convicted. No matter the, the, the effect on my life, I want to hear the Word of God. Most of, us have that, most of us have that feeling about other, every other area of our life, but, but we kind of stumble when it comes to Scripture. If you take your car to a mechanic and you tell him, listen, every time I hit the gas and I get right in the middle of the intersection, it just dies on me, and then cars, you know, they have to swerve to keep me from hitting. If the, if the mechanic looks at you and says, don't worry about it, it's normal. It's just normal. Cars do that. Don't, don't worry, just... Go home, sleep easy. How many of you are going to go home and sleep easy? How many are you going to find a different mechanic? Because you don't want my car dying in the middle of the road. That's not what I want to do. right? We, we, we want someone to tell us what is wrong. We want someone to tell us that what we're doing isn't working. But when it comes to the things of God, sometimes it seems like we just, oh, just lie to me. Just tell me what I want to hear. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says that, in the last days that people, when he talks about people, he's not talking about strangers or unbelievers. He's talking about believers. Believers will gather to themselves teachers who will tickle their ears. In other words, he will gather to themselves people that will tell them what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. But he tells Timothy, but you, you keep your head in all these situations. 
Endure hardship. Even if the Word of God brings hardship on your life, stick to it. Endure it. Do the work of evangelists. Discharge the duties of your ministry. In other words, Paul is saying, Timothy, just because the gospel makes people uncomfortable, don't stray from it. And I would say this to all of us, just because the gospel may make you uncomfortable, don't stray from it. You know, my pastor told me when I was a kid, he said, you know, Greg, if the Bible doesn't make you uncomfortable every once in a while, you're not reading it the right way. Right? If it's not, if it's not prodding you more towards Jesus, then you have to wonder, am I, am I reading it or am I just scanning it? You know, the gospel is, one person said, the gospel is not a book you read. The gospel is a book that reads you. We need the word of God to read us and illuminate to us the changes. Here's the second thing about false teachers. Is they're swayed by money and fame. Look at verse number 15. They left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, who loved the wages of of, wick, of wickedness. Watch out for those who change their message because it's politically expedient or it leads to financial gain. Be careful when you see someone who is prophesying, teaching, preaching, leading one direction two years ago, but today they're saying just the opposite. They're saying, well, that doesn't matter or God's changed his mind or whatever because it's now it's more convenient to say this than it is to say that. When two years ago or three years ago or whatever, I used to be this way, but now I'm believing that way. Can I tell you, watch out. The truth is that is probably a false teacher. Watch out for that. Watch out for those whose motivation is something other than God's kingdom coming, His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to I just, you know, there, it's, it's never good when a preacher defends pastors. But I'm going to do it anyway. Because there's, a, there's, I believe it's a false teaching that goes on right now that, that, well, if the only reason the church exists is so that, you know, preachers and leaders can make money. That's why I saw a, an article by a super spiritual person on Facebook of the day. And when I say super spiritual, I mean just the opposite of that. A uh, person of the day that's talking about how the world would be better, basically better off if the church didn't exist. Basically because the church was just money hungry and pastors were just money hungry. And I just wanted to, you know, I, I just wondered if what I thought was right. So I began to do a little bit of research. According to a study in 2016, the next time you hear that lie from someone, here's your little bit of ammunition. In 2016, about 50% of every pastor in America was pastoring in a bivocational position. In other words, half of all the pastors in the U.S. are pastoring their church at their own expense, at least partially at their own expense. Since COVID hit in 2020, that, now, that number now is increasing. The Some are arguing that today, in 2023, that number is probably closer to 80% of pastors are paying their own way to pastor their churches. And yet, how many times have you heard people say, well, preachers are just in it for the money? You heard that before? Maybe they just say it to me because I are one. But... But be, do watch out. Do watch out for those who change their position, the convictions, just to attract a dollar. 
see, here's the next thing about false teachers. They'll be popular among believers. Matthew 24, 24 says, they're going to appear and they're going to perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. I know you know this, but I want to say it anyway. Miracles can never be the litmus test of an authentic move of God. I want to say that again because some of you are going to rub the wrong way. Miracles can never be the litmus test of a move of God. I want to make sure I'm not mistaken because some of you are really having a hard time. I can see it in your face. I want to say it again. I want to really tick you off. Miracles can never be the litmus test of a move of God. Why? Do you remember what happened when Moses went into Egypt to deliver the children of Israel? God told him, take this staff, and every, Mo- every miracle Moses performed, what happened? The magicians did the same thing. Did you know that demons, I don't like to glorify demons, but do you understand demonic powers have the, have the ability to work miracles here on earth? And I think we are naive if we do not believe that they would use every bit of deception they have to lead people astray. Well, Pastor, do you believe in miracles? Absolutely. But I believe we got to make sure we don't put the cart before the horse. See, Mark says it like this. He says, signs and wonders will accompany those or follow those who believe. We have not, not been called to follow miracles, but we've been called to follow Jesus and let miracles and signs and wonders follow us. Pastor, that is just, that's just a few words difference. Yeah, but it is the difference between your eyes being fixed on Jesus and your eyes being fixed on man. We've got to take our eyes off of people and put our eyes on man or we will be led astray. Pastor, I've never heard that said before. Well, I'm glad you came to church today. False teachers will mix heresy among truth. Look at verse 1. It says, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies. That word secretly does not mean that they're going to do it behind closed doors. It just means they're going to slip it into what they're saying. They're going to say a lot of true stuff, but slip in something that's a little bit not true. They're going to use spiritual-sounding language but corrupt the meaning of those words. I heard one preacher say it like this, false teachers will use our same language, but will use a different dictionary. They'll say the same things, but they'll mean something totally different. And there's a lot of teaching in the world that says, say that basically says, you know, well, heresy is not really that harmless. I mean, just let people believe what they want to believe. And as long as they're sincere, then it's okay. But how many understand you can be sincerely wrong? Right? The other day, I was, I was going to visit someone here at our church. I'd never been in their house before, so I entered their, I entered their, their address into the GPS, and I, I was on my way to their house. I thought they lived on the south side of the freeway, and my GPS took me to the north side of the freeway. I thought, wow, they live totally totally different spot than what I thought. So I kept on following the GPS. It, it turned me down this road that looked like it would go to nowhere, but I thought, hey, it's telling me to go. I was sincerely following this device, 
And as soon as I turn on this, was, this is like, a, I don't know, if it's wintertime, so it's night. I don't know if it's 10 o'clock, but it was dark enough to be 10 o'clock. And I turn down this road, and like, I'm, it says, you know, destination ahead, 800 yards or whatever. I'm like, this, I am, this cannot be right. And you ever heard stories of like people's GPS leading them to dead-end roads so they could be killed? <laughs> That's what I thought was happening. I thought someone has gotten my iPhone and they have done me. But sure enough, wrong place. I was sincerely following the voice I heard. I was correctly following the instructions. I was sincerely following it, but I was sincerely lost. I had to start all over. Can I tell you, that's what it's like if you say, well, people can just, they can just believe what they want to believe. Does it really matter what's, what the Bible says? Yeah, it matters. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, well, Pastor, this is not really this comforting to hear all this. Um, well, Peter, he gives us the comforting part next, all right? So here's the comforting part. Point two. When we live in a world where false teaching is prevalent, when the Scripture says it's going to be around, be confident that Jesus is on the scene. The presence of a counterfeit only reinforces the value of the real thing. I don't know if they make counterfeits of dollar bills. I know they make counterfeits of $100 bills, right? That's what I get checked on. When I, when I show a $100 bill, I'm like, what's that guy doing with a $100 bill? They check that out. The presence of a counterfeit should reinforce the value of the authentic. And if the enemy is counterfeiting the gospel, then it should reinforce in our minds that the good news is true news, that those who are far from God can be made near to God, those who are in captive can be set free, that those who are sick can be healed. If it's found in, in your Bible, if it's found in the pulpits that preach the Bible today, then you can rest assured what God promises can be done. There's two things I want to ask you to have confidence in. The first thing is this. This is what Peter says, is that Jesus will judge the counterfeits. That's what he says. So he didn't spare the angels. He didn't spare the ancient world in Noah's time. He did not spare uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And we can be sure that God will deal with those who are proclaiming things in his name that are not of his name today. Well, Pastor, why do I need to know that? Because sometimes, I don't know if this ever happens to you, sometimes it seems like you see people doing the wrong thing but getting ahead. And you see people sticking to the word of God that are falling behind. It seems like those who are propagating a false gospel seem to be succeeding. And those who are sticking to the true word of God seem to be overlooked. But can I tell you, no one is getting away with anything. No matter how it looks. It's tempting, also say that, to say this, it's tempting to become the preaching police. That I'm going to... I'm going to go out, I'm going to let my, my day be consumed with YouTube videos and Facebook reels and television preaching, and I'm going to watch hours and hours of whoever and whatever I can so that I can let the world know with my social media posts who is true and who is false. That, too, I think is a waste of a good life, right? I think a better approach is this. 
I'm going to guard my life. I'm going to guard my family with the revelation I have from God's Word. And I'm going to leave the rest of it up to Jesus. If I get a chance or an opportunity to share truth with someone who I believe is in rebellion or is being deceived, then obviously I'm going to do that. But my focus is not to out someone else. My focus is to please Him and learn from Him. Well, Pastor, don't you wish God would deal with some people quicker? Yes. But I'm thankful in my times of wondering He didn't deal with me quicker. I'm thankful that sometimes His patience is giving room to repentance. The second thing I want you to have confidence in is, is this, that God will rescue the righteous. Look at verse 5. But God protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. Now let's think just, about, just a minute about Noah. Noah lived in a day where the... Uh, Really, the days of Noah are closely, al- closely aligned with the days of today. Sexual immorality was everywhere. Worship of, of idols was everywhere. The, the fascination with heavenly things that are not godly things was dominant in their culture. The, the, the world was waxing more and more evil. Sexual sin was elevated as, no, as normal Noah was not perfect, but he was committed to honoring God, and God showed up. And and by the way, Matthew's gospel records this, Jesus saying, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man comes again. But I want to just state this. No amount of evil or deceit on the outside can contaminate the believer on the inside when we stay true to God's Word. There's no amount of falsehood floating around that can steal the security or the intent of God for His people when they stay focused on Him. Psalm says, The Lord is with me, so I'm not going to be afraid. Romans 8.31 says, What shall I say to all these things, all all these narratives out there that are not aligned with God's Word? What I'll say is this, if God is for me, who can be against me? Third this morning, I know I'm going long, but third this morning, how do I deal, how do I live in a culture that is propagating false gospels? Third thing is this, align yourself with the true gospel. Meaning if you want to come. Second Peter chapter 2, really really kind of shook my tree this past week because it talks about Lot who by my definition I've never looked at Lot as being a positive role model right Uh, but Peter says some pretty redefining words about Lot it says talks about Lot the righteous man who is living among those day after day, was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. So I want to take a few lessons from Lot this morning. How can we live a life that is aligned with God's Word? First thing Lot teaches us is this. 
This was the shocking news for me personally. I've never picked this up about Lot before, but Peter says, Lot was sickened by the unrighteousness around him. What does that mean to me? Here's what speaks to me. Be careful when sin no longer offends you. Sometimes I get frustrated and I ask the question to myself or to my television. I'll be watching television I'll say, why do you have to put that in a commercial? I'm just trying to watch the Andy Griffith show, trying to have a good night, and you're putting this stuff in the commercial of Andy Griffith. You know why? Why do they show sexual perversion in the middle of Andy Griffith, in the middle of kids' shows on YouTube? Why do they propagate this filth on the radio and everywhere we look? They're hoping that we become so normalized to it that it no longer bothers us and we accept it. But the Word says that Lot was sickened by the world around him. Number two, we got to realize that though we are committed to the Lord, if we ride the fence, it's going to cost us. Lot was righteous. He didn't turn from the Lord, but it cost him. Do you remember why Lot was in Sodom in the first place? Short answer is this. It looked good. It looked good. So he hung around what looked good. He settled too close to evil. And though he himself was not evil, it cost him. Part of, part of staying away from the false gospels is say, Lord, I want to I pitch my tent close to what you say is good. And then last, commit to living an untangled life. Look at verse 20. So that they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled by it and overcome. They're worse off. Hebrews chapter 12 says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. I know this is not the jumping, chandelier swinging, shout hallelujah message that we like to hear sometimes, but the reality is we live in a world where not everything that is being promoted as truth is true. Not everything that is packaged as the good news of Jesus is actually the good news of Jesus. And that is, sure, preachers make mistakes, people mess up, some things are done in error by mistake. And, and you can always tell when that happens because people will quickly repent. And we should offer forgiveness and even continued ministry when that is, when that is the case. But when, when failure is denied and truth is just bypassed, then we have to understand, Lord, I need you to wake in my eyes. So there's two prayers I want you to pray. First prayer is this, Lord... Open my eyes if I've accepted something that is not of you. Open my eyes if I have received something that I received it as truth because I, I just really liked the way it sounded. I really liked the way it made me feel. I just accept it because it, it kind of goes along with what I want to believe. 
what I want to think is the way. The Lord instead, show me what is the way. If I have allowed any deception in my life, Lord, show me right now. Would you just make that your prayer all across this room? God, just show it to us. Lord, show me, me. Show me truth I've compromised, lies I've believed, compromises I've made, things I've spoken I shouldn't have spoken, and things I heard I should have, I should have cast off. Lord, show me those things. Send the spotlight of the Holy Spirit to scrub my heart clean. Help me today. And Lord, also, here's the second prayer, church. Let's pray that the Lord will always let us. When I say us, I don't mean me as your pastor. I mean us as the church of Jesus Christ. Let us be true sharers of the gospel message. Let us be people that share the whole truth of God's word, not just the part that we like, not the part that makes us comfortable, but let us be people that when, they, when people encounter us, they encounter the real, the authentic, the love of Jesus, that is the love of Jesus. That is both grace and truth perfectly mixed together that brings freedom and deliverance to people. Let us be bearers of truth is our second prayer today. Would you join me in that prayer? Father, help us today to be light bearers, truth speakers and truth seekers. Help us to be those that will not compromise the truth for convenience or comfort, but Lord, instead stand with conviction for what you tell us to stand with. with. Lord, help us turn our ears towards heaven and tune our hearts towards Jesus. Help us keep our eyes fixed on Him because He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. When He starts, He completes. And we want Him to complete His work in us. So we thank You for that, Lord. Lord, I pray over these people today. Lord, I pray You'll bless them. I pray You'll keep them. I pray You'll let Your face shine upon them. Give them peace and joy, both now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap for His word today? Amen. We love you, Lord. Hey, God bless you. It's 1125. If no one's told you that they love you, let me be the first to tell you. I love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. See you Wednesday night. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you're ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.